Good Monday. This is Ozarks at Large for Monday, June 13th, 2022. I'm Kyle Kellams. Stay hydrated today and as cool as possible. The National Weather Service warns heat index values will reach into the triple figures today and early this evening. Heat advisory in effect until 8 tonight for the entire listening area. Later this hour, the Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History helps us celebrate the life of Ronnie Hawkins. We'll follow the late musicians live from northwest Arkansas to the rock and roll stage. And the city of Fayetteville is preparing for the first full in-person Pride celebration since before the pandemic. We find out what's scheduled ahead. We start this Monday with a virtual workshop titled Facilitating for Love and Money, co-taught by Karen Miriam Goldberg and Joy Rulier sawyer It will introduce the art and method of facilitation, as well as provide guidance on enrolling in additional comprehensive courses to attain professional facilitation certification. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports. Poet, writer, and seasoned facilitator Karen Miriam Goldberg, who resides with her family on the Kansas Prairie, periodically retreats to the writer's colony at Dairy Hollow in Eureka Springs. That's where she's cobbled together a course called The Art of Facilitation in partnership with the writer Joy Rullier Sawyer, a nonfiction author, poet, and licensed professional counselor. The roots of facilitation are to make easy or to make easier. And what it means to bring people together in such a way where we really are holding the space for the collective wisdom to come to the surface. Miriam Goldberg authors a blog titled Everyday Magic and hosts a podcast on storytelling. She's a longtime grassroots organizer and former instructor at Goddard College, where she originated and continues to teach transformative language arts. Her first encounter with facilitation occurred in the early 1980s while participating in bioregional congresses ecological consensus group process continental gatherings. That's when she first observed skilled facilitator Caroline Estes, as well as Bea Briggs, founder of the International Institute for Facilitation and Change. Miriam Goldberg says a traditional group meeting tends to be hierarchical, parliamentary, procedural affairs where motions are made and votes are cast. You have somebody leading the meeting who's often also leading the organization. And if somebody who has a strong agenda and is in a leadership role is also facilitating these um, supposedly open discussions to figure out what we do and how to move ahead, there's an inherent conflict of interest. A disinterested facilitator, she says, can work to resolve conflict and unearth creative solutions and agendas. To have a facilitator who doesn't have a dog in the fight can make a huge difference. To have somebody whose position is mainly to hold the space. Which allows for all present to speak their minds, not just alpha participants. And even more, and this is something so missing in our world today, they can be very well witnessed by those around them. In many ways, facilitation is about facilitating deep listening so that we can get beyond our habitual patterns and stop talking to just the usual suspects and get something done and, and create something that can endure and really bring people together. 
Miriam Goldberg says learning facilitation is a lifelong endeavor, but for her it began when she first facilitated community writing workshops 30 years ago. And I thought that what I was doing is helping people deepen their craft of writing, but actually I realized it was something far more important. It was holding open this clearing in the woods for people to connect with what they had to say to each other, what they had to say to themselves, what they had to to discover, to move forward in their lives. Fruits of skilled facilitation, she says, can be observed in boardrooms, corporate headquarters, nonprofit centers, and at retreats and workshops. That help people um, unlock the meaning in their lives. And, you know, for example, in writing, one thing I've seen for many years is that everybody has something to say. Everybody has a deep story. And if you can facilitate a space in which people connect with the power of their own story, then they can connect with their own agency more. And from there, kind of find their own greater sense of liberation, even if it's just another inch or another ounce more. Miriam Goldberg says skilled facilitators are in growing demand, which is why she and Rulier Sawyer are launching their virtual facilitation courses, including professional certification classes. We are offering five classes, and people can take one or two or all five. If they take all five, they also can complete a certificate program. But to help people just get more of a taste of this and see how it fits into their lives and what calls to them, because it all comes down to callings, we're offering Facilitating for Love and Money on Tuesday the 28th via Zoom. Then we're also offering free discovery calls where Joy and I can just have a good discussion with anybody who contacts us about what are you looking for, what speaks to your heart, to your work, to your community. The classes themselves can be done from anywhere. They're a combination of Zoom sessions and online interaction and incredibly rich resources. I think between us, Joy and I probably have thousands of things of material, thousands of spinning pieces that we've carefully curated to give people the best of the best of all kinds of things. The introductory workshop costs less than 10 bucks. Advanced courses for certification cost more, with enrollees having access to key resources. To learn more, visit artoffacilitation.net. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. About 350,000 people in the United States will experience cardiac arrest outside of a hospital this year. If CPR is performed immediately, chances for survival can double or better. And the American Heart Association is reminding us this summer that CPR involves two steps. Calling 911 is first, then hands-only compression applied to the center of the chest. Last week, Devin Dan, the executive director of the American Heart Association in Northwest Arkansas, came to the Carver Center for Public Radio to discuss CPR. She says while we can all take a CPR certification course, we do not need to be certified to take action in case of an emergency. First thing to remember is always call 911 and make sure that you get trained people on their way to be able to help because in that kind of situation every minute is critical. 
So you do not have to be certified. There are a couple of just basic things to know. Yes, absolutely. Um, and what we teach at the American Heart Association, we, we do certification, but we also teach adult hands-only CPR. So if you see an adult suddenly collapse, they're not breathing, you can't tell if they're breathing, go ahead and start compressions after you call 911. By compressions, that's the hands on the chest? Hands in the center of the chest. You want to push down about two inches, and you want to push about uh, 100 to 120 beats a minute. I know there is this cliche now that it's staying alive, but there are, there's actually a playlist of songs that you can use. Yeah, there's multiple songs. Any song that has about 100 to 120 beats a minute, um, you can use, I think, uh, Stay, uh, Staying Alive by the Bee Gees is one that's probably the most common, but um, Crazy in Love by Beyonce, and there's, there's plenty of others. So the compression, it, it's hands only. Uh, you've called 911, and now we know in Arkansas when you call 911, the person on the other end is going to be trained to know what to tell you. Yeah, we're so excited because um, last year in 2021, um, we, along with some other partners, um, helped to pass some legislation that requires that all 911 dispatchers be trained in how to lead someone through the steps of CPR and help to identify um, if someone is in cardiac arrest. You would have thought beforehand that this, you know, would have been the case if you call 911, they're going to walk you through. But it, what we found is it wasn't. So now it is required that those dispatchers be trained um, and know how to lead you through CPR. We know what we're we know we're supposed to do something when we see an adult go in cardiac arrest. But do we always do it? Do we always know what to do? Do we always act? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, less than half of people who have an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest receive immediate bystander CPR. It's actually 46%, which we I'm so thankful that you invited us today because we want to raise awareness. We want more people to feel confident in acting immediately. I know that there are men, white men, are the most likely to receive CPR. Yes, Yes. Um, unfortunately, only 39% of women um, receive bystander CPR compared to 45% of men. Do we know why that is? Yeah, um, there are some myths around giving CPR, some fears. I think especially women and the fear of inappropriate touching um, come in, comes into play. Um, but as we spoke earlier, I, you know, I am a woman, and if I am in cardiac arrest, I can't speak for all women, but I would want you to perform CPR on me. People who have a cardiac cardiac arrest episode who do not receive CPR are far more likely to not make it to an ambulance, to not make it to a hospital, to not make it back home. That's very true. So um, what we can say is that for every minute that a person does not receive immediate help, then their chance of survival decreases by 10%. So by that 10-minute mark, statistically, the chances of survival are zero. Um, but we know that immediate help doubles or triples that person's chance of survival. So there's so much room for improvement um, when it comes to acting immediately. This is probably a very basic question. Let's see, so someone collapses, and when they when they collapse, they went face first or they're down. Roll them over. Yes, if they're if they're not breathing, um, the first thing is to get air. Do you try to talk to 
a person who might be having an episode? Yeah. The way I explain it is if someone's, um, you know, suddenly collapses, you want to say, hey, hey, are you okay? Um, try to shake them or, or you know, um, on, tap them on the shoulder if they're not getting any kind of response from eye movement or a groan or a moan. Um, go ahead and start compressions. All right. Again, as we emphasize, you do not have to be certified to act but if you want to be refreshed, if you want to be certified, how easy is it to find? Absolutely. So there are a couple of different options. So you can be certified. We have AHA training centers across the country. They hold, hold um, group classes, or you can call and have a, a class set up. Um, you can go to our website. It's heart.org CPR. You can find whatever class is closest to you. But I also want to let people know about other options because we have um, – the American Heart Association has a pr- uh, produced what we call CPR Anytime Kits. And so there are two different kits. One is for infants and the other is for children and adults. And these are kits that contain videos and an actual mini and what we, a mannequin, that they can actually learn in their home. They can give this kit to their babysitters, to grandparents. Um, the whole family can learn in the convenience of their home. I guess this is where I show that I'm not a parent because I hadn't even thought about the difference between an adult and a child or an infant. That's a good question. Very good question. I often do get asked that question um, because we do recommend uh, CPR with breasts for children and infants. Um, And I'll explain the difference is typically children have healthy hearts. Mm. And so if a child suddenly collapses, it's usually because they've lost um, airflow. They've lost oxygen to their brain. Whereas in adults, typically, you know, can have heart attacks that can cause someone to go into cardiac arrest. So with an infant or a child, it's important to give breaths along with the compressions. So I just encourage everybody to go out and get trained in some way, form or fashion. But even if you aren't, the steps that we've talked about today, you can save a life. Devin Dan is the executive director of the American Heart Association in Northwest Arkansas. She came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio last week. And we have a link to a playlist of songs the American Heart Association suggests using for CPR. You can find that link at ozarksatlarge.com. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. Fayetteville Roots on the Avenue presents three days of music from nine artists, Friday, June 17th through Sunday, June 19th, on East Avenue, just outside of Roots HQ, and just off the square in downtown Fayetteville. Performers include Iris Dement, Layla McCalla, Black Opry Review, Bonnie Light Horseman, and more. FayettevilleRoots.org for tickets and more information. Everywhere you look, you see news headlines. It's easy to keep up with the headlines, but understanding the issues behind them is tougher. When you listen to KUAF, we bring you the headlines, but even more importantly, we bring you the insights and background on the stories of the day. You depend on us for coverage that has depth and intelligence, and we depend on you for the funding we need to keep it going. Support this important coverage right now at supportkuaf.com. This is Ozarks at Large. If you go to the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History webpage, that's priorcenter.uark.edu, you'll see the featured interview is with the late Ronnie Hawkins. In about five and a half minutes, we'll use part of that interview and other sources to remember the musician's life and his influence on rock and roll. Randy Dixon with the Pryor Center will join me then. Thousands of people will be joining with each other this week for the annual observation of Pride Month in Fayetteville. 
The Pride Parade, the 18th annual, is back again this year with the same route but a different time. We called Richard Gathright with NWA Equality and the director and festival manager for Pride. He says not only is the parade back, but so are many other events that had been put on pause during the pandemic summers of the last two years. So we'll have the Tyson main stage in the Walton Arts Center parking lot with amazing DJs, bands, and drag queens. We have the Prism, Prism Aesthetic stage over at Kingfish with a DJ, a band, and the bear contest is happening this year. Uh, then we will have the Northwest Arkansas Pride Youth Zone at the Walton Arts Center that will be catered towards kids and teens. And then there will also be Glitterville, the official party of Northwest Arkansas Pride, is coming back this year to Georgia's Majestic Lounge and featuring Fayetteville's own Maddie Morphosis and Simone, uh, both from RuPaul's Drag Race, and then uh, Joe Pacheco, Uh, who's a world-renowned circuit DJ, will be taking over the night from there. And then before all that, DJ Tyler Moore will be getting us ready for the show. Let's start with the parade. I still think of this as kind of the cornerstone. This is when I think the event that has the most people in one place at one time. What can we expect from this year's Pride Parade? So we're changing things up just a little bit. We are moving the parade from noon to 5 p.m., so everybody can enjoy the festival that day. And then, you know, if they're, they're signed up for the parade, they can participate in that at five. And then Trans March is coming back again this year. For, this will be the second annual Trans March, and that will be at noon going down Dixon Street. So the time is different, but the route and everything else sort of associated with that the same. The route and the lineup is identical. All right. You, you mentioned Glitterville, the official party. That takes place at George's. What will happen there? So doors open at 8.30. Um, unfortunately, right now, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, it is sold out. So <laughs> we don't have any uh, tickets available right now, but as people do leave the party, we can, we can definitely start letting more people in. Um, like I said, DJ Tyler Moore is going to start spinning at 8.30. The Dixon Divas show will begin at 10.45. And then at 11.30, Joe Pacheco will go on. And then the other events, like you have the, the Youth Zone at Walton Arts Center. What are the times on those? So that opens at 11. We'll have arts and crafts for the kids. Um, at 1.15, the Star Theater will open for the teens. And we'll have a drag show in there. DJ SoCom is also going to be in there. And then uh, this amazing band that we found at Fayetteville High School, uh, the Misdemeanors, will be performing. Uh, and then there will be another drag show in the Star Theater at 3.30. And then we'll also be having story time also. There will be a little bit of a a fair in there, um, you know, with, with PFLAG and some other uh, resources for families. And the Equality Crew is helping us power this, uh, this year. Any idea how many people you expect? I know that obviously with some events like Glitterville, you have tickets, so you have an idea there. But with a parade, you never really know for sure. We don't. I mean, our best guesstimate last year was about 25,000 people showed up. And we're expecting probably around 30 this year for the festival and parade. When you draw 25,000 or 30,000, you're probably drawing some people that still have challenges with loved ones or with their communities. You know, not everyone is coming from a situation where they're completely accepted. This is an important weekend for a lot of people, I think. It absolutely is. And we're just thrilled that, you know, the city of Fayetteville is so gracious enough to us to be able to host this and to have this this event every single year and, it you know, continuously grow and be successful. Um, you know, and, and this also wouldn't happen without our presenting sponsors this year. Walmart and the Tyson Family Foundation really stepped up to the plate this year, and we are very gracious uh, for their support and, and all of the other sponsors. 
uh, also this year have just been fantastic. So we're, we live in a really amazing area, and we're lucky to have these folks here. Um, and one other event that we're having um, on Thursday, uh, June 16th, the Fayetteville Public Library, we are partnering with the Momentary, and we're going to be peeling out for pride. So that will be a crawfish boil with all the fixins. Um, and we've got our friends at Parker and Gamble, Atlas the Restaurant, E&J Gallo, Fossil Cove, Southern Glaciers, and the Human Rights Campaign helping us out with that one. And our friend um, Jacob Serlock will also be uh, cooking the crawfish for us. I mean, just come early and, and come prepared to have fun. I, I'm, I'm really excited that, you know, we're, we're back to full strength this year. And, and I think the, the buzz around it has been fantastic. So, yeah, like I said, get there early because <laughs> parking is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> uh, Richard, get, get whatever rest you can between now and then. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Kyle. Richard Gathright is Director and Festival Manager for the Fayetteville Pride Observation later this week. He spoke with us last week. More details can be found at FayettevillePride.org. There's so much that is rooted in what has happened to us because of slavery. Absolutely. And we are yeah. having to unlearn. Like, we deserve rest as black people. Mm-hmm. But our ancestors didn't get that opportunity. Get that opportunity. And so it's hard for us, even because that's been passed down, right, through generations. Yes. I'm trying to think, like, when did I see my mom rest? On the next Resilient Black Women, Joy and Denisha focus on rest, how important it is to resilience, what barriers are keeping us from rest for all of us, but particularly for Black people, and how when we prioritize rest, we're prioritizing our overall health. That's on the next Resilient Black Women. You can listen online at KUAF.com, and you can subscribe anywhere you find your podcasts. The next destination for the Razorback baseball team, Omaha. Arkansas used a two-run ninth-inning rally yesterday to defeat North Carolina 4-3 and advance to the College World Series. Arkansas's first game in Omaha, either Friday or Saturday, and against the winner of today's winner-take-all Super Regional game between Stanford and UConn. Schedule for the College World Series will be finalized later today. The Northwest Arkansas Naturals are not playing today, but begin their next homestand at Arvest Ballpark in Springdale tomorrow night. The Naturals will host the Arkansas Travelers tomorrow evening, first pitch at 7.05. This homestand against the Travelers and the Springfield Cardinals will last through Sunday the 26th. And the second annual Arkansas Black Film Showcase will be at Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art in Bentonville, Thursday night from 6 until 10. Featured filmmakers include Nikita Reed, the producer of Heart and Soul YouTube series, Galen Richardson, the director of The Prize, and Rhea Clay, producer of SportsCenter Presents 2020, Heroes, History, and Hope. Much more information can be found at crystalbridges.org. I'm going to give you 40 days to get back home. I done called up a gypsy woman on the telephone. That's music from the legendary Ronnie Hawkins. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellum sitting across the table from me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studios. Randy Dixon with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History. Welcome back, Kyle. Welcome back to you. Welcome back Hey, it's good to have you. If the Pryor Center had been interested in what it's like to go to a national park, I could have done something, but I didn't want to work. (laughs) Yeah, don't work. Uh, And while I – I guess I can't remember if it was while I was gone or just before I left – 
music legend Ronnie Hawkins passed away. Right. It was just a few weeks ago. It was the very end of last month. And um, I think, as you know, he's from Huntsville. Yeah. And had quite a, a career, not in America, because a lot of people uh, here in the United States might not have known who Ronnie Hawkins In Arkansas, was. I think a lot of people did. Yes, the but outside. yeah. Yeah. Um, but he was huge in Canada. Um, so we'll we'll get into all that. But, um, you know, in 2005, uh, he was in Arkansas. He was in Johnson. Uh, and Jim Blair sat down with him and did an interview for the Pryor Center. So it's, I thought we'd look at some of these, listen to some of his music, and look into the family. Yes, yes. Of All right. the Hawkins. And so he talks about his family here. Yes, he does. So uh, let's drop in on Jim Blair and Ronnie Hawkins. Just about everybody on the Hawkins side, uh, all my aunts, cousins, I was the only one that couldn't play anything. Yeah. Everybody else played everything. And my sister did a lot of research before she died about the Hawkins name and all, you know, just for something to do. And uh, she found list in an old trunk somewhere was a song list that my dad and his three brothers played called okay. the Hawkins Band and had the name of the songs that they played when they go out and play and make a little moonshine money. And this is from an interview that is highly entertaining. If you have oh, time, the guy is the whole thing. something. He's a character. Yeah. And I mean, Jim Blair himself is a good storyteller. Sure. But, but Ronnie Hawkins and Jim Well, Blair, I think he really drew it Drew it out, not that you really need any help no, with no. Ronnie Hawkins, but he always had a story to tell and uh, just would laugh a lot at himself. Yes. yes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a great guy, great musician. Um, and just to kind of get the backstory, um, his family moved to Fayetteville in 1945, and he grew up here. He went to high school, and he used to. Uh, cruise around in his uh, Ford Coupe that had a rumble seat in the back. And uh, he was a celebrity here in town. Um, he owned the Rockwood Club eventually uh, that brought in all kinds of names. But he also ran bootleg liquor mm -hmm. up in Missouri. And he was making, this was a teenager, was making like 300 bucks a day. And this was back in the 50s. That's good money. It's good money for a kid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he did a stint in the Army, and then he came back to Arkansas, but he lived in Helena, which, you know, is a hotbed. Blues, rockabilly, rockabilly. Yeah, ev everything. It's sort of the, the birthplace of that. But he started the beginnings of what became the Hawks. So it was uh, Ronnie Hawkins and the Hawks. But his, one, his second hit was actually the B-side of his first hit, that first hit was 40 Days, which was actually a takeoff on Chuck Berry's 30 Days. So he covered it, but changed it up a little bit that, you know, it was pretty obvious. He yeah. was doing a cover. But on the B side of that uh, was a tune called Mary Lou. Money was a crying shame. Mary Lou, Mary, 
she took my diamond ring. Oh, Mary Lou. Mary Lou. She took my watch and chain. Mary Lou. She took the keys to my Cadillac car. Jumped in my kitty and she drove up far. Left me stranded in a Calabar. It's Ronnie Hawkins and the song Mary Lou. So it was one thing to hear Ronnie on record, on vinyl. Quite another to see him on stage. Well, I never saw him live. You said you've met him, right? I actually, you know, the last time he was in Northwest Arkansas was, I think, 2019, part of the Roots Festival, and he won the Crazy Chester Award. And okay. I was honored to give him that award on stage. It was Oh, thrill. wow. Yeah. When was that? I think 2019. He was, he was uh, a nut, really. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy. He had that bout with cancer. Right. They thought he was going to die. He came back, but back in his early days, he was he scud- he studied physical education at the University of Arkansas. Uh, he was a swimmer. Mm-hmm. I think he was a lifeguard. Um, but on stage, uh, he got the name uh, Rompin' Ronnie and Mister Dynamo because I mean he would jump and run. He would do. Forward flips, back flips, on and off the stage. And he did. I was watching some footage, and you can look it up on YouTube. Um, and he was doing a song, um, Needs Your Lovin'. And it's a slow tune, but he starts doing this move when the guitar player's doing a solo. It's the moonwalk. Really? Yeah, bef- three decades before Michael Jackson. They called it the Camel Walk, hmm. and it was based on a 1920s flapper move, but he had slowed it down, and you can see him moonwalk walking. So what you're telling me is flappers in the 20s invented this stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just a little bit of trivia yeah. there. So um, he decided, you know, he's he's been in Helena um, – he picks up this kid who's still in high school. He's a drummer, doesn't have a drum set, but convinces uh, Ronnie that he's a good enough drummer. They find a drum set for him, and um, here's a story that um, he meets this kid from Turkey Scratch, Arkansas, and his name is Levon Helm. But, he, but Levon had that rhythm, and he was a guitar player. Yeah. I mean, Levon, you know... He'd played all them Miss, Miss Arkansas pageants and all that stuff. So anyway, to make a long story short, I got a job working at the, the, the motel there, the Rainbow Inn Motel, for room and board and a few bucks, and we practice. That old radio station down there in West Helena where the Sonny Boy and the King Biscuit Boys played down in that basement, and they had that flower hour yeah, thing or whatever hour. it was. Yeah. We didn't have any equipment, you know, I mean, yeah. didn't even have any drums. So, we slipped down in there from a friend that had the radio station, that ran the radio station, and practiced all night long, many, many, dusty, dirty, but we'd practice day and night. All right, so we heard him talk about Canada, and you had mentioned earlier that he was big in Canada. Mm-hmm. He, he told Jim Blair kind of a little bit about why he went. Right. When did you figure out that, that uh, you were going to be out in front and everybody else is going to be a side man? When did you figure that out? As soon as nobody else would sing? Yeah. <laughs> nobody else wanted to sing so boy that's what i wanted to do show off and uh so you went to canada and what happened well we just chiseled out a little circuit up there you know 
only thing I knew about Canada, I just thought of Mounties and Eskimos and Igloos and stuff like that. But boy, when we crossed that border from Detroit, everything burning and you know all that stuff, and got into Canada, it was like going into Eden. It's like the promised land, mm -hmm. so clean, so nice, and every, and all the clubs, the bars that I played in, you know, they were, it's all government controlled, and you know you're going to get paid at the end of the week if you didn't mess up. Okay. And yeah, that was at uh, the suggestion of his friend Conway Twitty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so also has an Arkansas connection because right. he named his first name after Conway. Right, because his real name wasn't Conway Twitty. No, it wasn't. Conway um, Arkansas and Twitty, Texas, I believe, is the legend. Yes, yes. yeah, that's it. Uh, but Hawkins made his base in Fayetteville uh, after they started touring Canada, and he had made enough money bootlegging that he bought the Rockwood Club. If you're unfamiliar, if you're headed out towards Greenland or Drake uh -huh. Field, you take a left and you kind of go up. And, and it's still, still there. there. Well, it's, well, they're about to reopen it, aren't they? Well, there's work. There's work yeah. going on. And you know who designed it? Oh, was it Faye Jones? It was. We've got Levon Helm in the band, and they're touring Canada. Well, he's touring Canada so much, he starts picking up musicians from Canada. So it got to the point that... The only two Americans, and they're both Arkansans, in this band, uh, it, it's Ronnie Hawkins and Levon Helm. Well, the young guitar player they picked up, um, who's Canadian, um, he recruited uh, this young guitarist named Robbie Robertson. Right, who becomes this force. Right, yeah. that we'll we'll get into here in a minute, but let's hear what he has to say, and it's an interesting story about uh, how Robbie Robertson got started. Robbie is, is uh, half Jewish and half Indian, but he was born on the reservation, and uh, he came in as a roadie because he, he was a sharp street kid, eighth he, or ninth grade dropout. He's the vice president of DreamWorks now. Well, he's uh, he's got a vocabulary that's nine words more than Webster. <laughs> I don't know where. Boy, I'm telling you, <laughs> he's 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 self. He's come a long way since that reservation. Baby. He, but he was always hustling. Robbie, you know, I had a little nickname for him. What was it? I called uh, the dude because he, he always dressed good, even on the streets and stuff. You yeah. know, he always wanted to be somebody. I said, always read everything you can because the only one going to look after you, Robbie, is going to be you. Something can happen to anybody else. And he, he just started learning in leaps and bounds. We're talking about Ronnie Hawkins and all the connections he had in the music world for today's Prior Center Profile. Right. And so Levon Helm and Robbie Robertson and the rest, Garth and uh, Manuel and right. uh, all those guys were the Hawks. And they ended up leaving in 1964 and they formed a band that backed up Bob Dylan, and that's a whole other story right. that hopefully we can get into. You know, they were booed off the stage the first time Dylan played yeah. electric. Yeah. But um, they ended up, after the Dylan tour, formed the band. A band called, called The, the band. band. And, you know, they did Up on Cripple Creek. Music from Big Pink. I mean, yeah. Yeah, all that, and did... Um, the night they drove old Dixie down. The wait. And the wait. I yeah, mean, yeah. That, I, they had a few hits. Yeah. 
Yeah. But their last concert, and I hope you've seen this, The Last Waltz. Yeah, the Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah, the documentary. Yeah, oh, and gosh, it was their yes. last ca- concert. Thanksgiving. Yes. And um, they invited him to come. And uh, I had to. Ronnie. They invited Ronnie. Yeah. Ronnie, yeah. So let's listen to a little from that concert where he does uh, Who Do You Love? haven't seen that documentary it oh, is just fascinating it's great eric clapton uh bonnie Raitt. yes uh dylan of course uh-huh. is there neil diamond oh that's right i mean it seems kind of incongruous now or yeah it doesn't belong but you collection. look at that the, the finale and there's neil diamond up there mm-hmm. a younger obviously neil diamond yeah 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 well you know we talked earlier about Hawkins family and the talent that they all had. He was talking about that. Well, he has a cousin you've probably heard of. Well, you may not have heard of him. Uh, Dale Hawkins, mm-hmm. his his older cousin, and he had a, a big hit in 1958 with this song. It was not a hit when he did it, but Creedence Clearwater Revival comes along, and they made it huge. Yeah, in the top ten. Yeah. And so um, the Pryor Center caught up with the two of them, the two cousins, who, when they were originally recording and had their hits come out, they didn't know they were related. They didn't know they were cousins. But we caught up with them at a family reunion, a Hawkins family reunion. And first you're going to hear Dale, and then you're going to hear Ronnie. And they're seated on a bench, and there's a poor, older woman sitting with them that looks very confused, never says a word, but apparently was Ronnie's music teacher when he was young because he refers to her. So this is what, uh, what you heard from their family reunion. This right here is, is, will be a classic one day. Ronnie and I sitting together and... and, and With my school teacher. And <laughs> my music teacher. No, I mean, people don't really realize what, what the roads we did slice, you know. I, I mean, as an artist, I had four hit records. As a producer, I had 13 hit records. Big, big song. These are big. Susie Q's. I saw where Susie Q was the five top five songs of rock and roll of the world that had been covered by other people more than any other song. We went in and demoed, but laid it down a couple of times that a friend of mine was a disc jockey there uh, at a radio station called KENT in Shreveport. And so we had an hour and a half of the studio, I mean, to, to be able to lay down that song. 
And the thing about it is, 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 is then this will always be true. You got to find it or create it. You got to learn it before you can perform it. And we knew the song when we went in the studio. I mean, it wasn't no two ways about it. All right, that's uh, from the Pryor Center. Uh, yeah, and the last of that was actually Dale in his recording studio in Little Rock, uh, talking about you know recording Susie Q, and he uh, lived in Little Rock uh, until he died in um, 2010, and um, that was a 2008 interview with Bob Cochran. We know Bob. Oh yeah, and. Um, so he has his own memories of the the talented musical Hawkins clan. All Hawkins has played music. They played some kind of instrument or whatever, sang. Or, and um, our our entertainment and, and what we had to do on a, a Friday night or Saturday night was everybody would get together and put a put a kind of a wash tub out in the middle of the floor and and all we gather around and we'd be we'd play and sing and it'd spit their tobacco and there and I'd had some great, great times as a mm-hmm. kid growing up. Okay, so that's Dale Hawkins talking to Bob Cochran. Right. Right. So that was a series of interviews we did with the with the Hawkins. Um I did talk to one of Ronnie's old friends, uh Little Rock lobbyist Paul Barry. Uh, Barry had known uh, Ronnie Hawkins since they were children. Uh, Ronnie was several years older, and so, of course, Paul Barry and his friends idolized him Mm because he was already a celebrity in town. And he kept up with him, and they remained friends over the years. And, uh, you know, he's watched him perform through his whole life, and this is what he had to say about uh, just Ronnie and his— his style. I never saw him down. He was always up, optimistic, and uh, and uh, wanting to entertain his audience. He 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 never he never uh, mailed a performance in. Ronnie always gave you everything he had, and uh, that's why if if Ronnie was one of those people, if he ever uh, made a fan, he kept that fan for life. What kind of influence do you think he made on music, rock and roll in particular? Well, it's a a, a subtle influence. Uh, Ronnie, uh, many Canadian stars, uh, from uh, Gordon Lightfoot to uh, Neil Young to David Clayton Thomas, all those kids, uh, Ronnie... Uh, became fans of theirs and encouraged them and told them that they they had that they were not only talented they were great talent and could make it in the states and uh, that's why he was so there's there's I'm, I've never heard of a Canadian musician that knew Ronnie that uh, didn't speak highly of him because he was uh, he was uh, so generous in his respect and and uh, encouragement of uh, a, a, a younger generation than he was. So over the years, uh, Ronnie led and taught all these young musicians. You know, I had a boss at KTV, Bob Steele, who used to say, I'm not that good, but if I have a talent, it's for seeing the talent in others. And he, as news director, 
was real good at hiring really good people. Well, that's what Ronnie Hawkins did. He found great musicians. And, well, he talks here about the importance of, you know, finding and putting himself with good talent. I found them cats that can play. Now, I hired the very best young musicians around me I could find. Man. One of the things I've always heard about you, Ronnie, is that maybe you weren't the best musician in the world, but you had the best ear for a good musician. Good, in the I was world. looking. When you sing like I do, you need a good band. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I tell them in Canada when they ask me that. Uh, How come <laughs> you've always had the greatest bands in the world? I said, Have you ever heard me sing? <laughs> you have to have a good band. Yeah, that's a great quote. And again, self-effacing, yeah. a character. Yeah. A character. He loved to make people, he loved to entertain, he loved to make people laugh. Even, like I said, in 2019, when he, he was here as part of the Roots Festival, uh-huh. I mean, he just had a joy cracking people up. Wow. All right. So if you want further information about this, I would suggest going to the Prior Center. Right. Find that Jim Blair interview because the whole yes. thing is entertaining. Yeah. Um Go to Arkansas Memories section and just go to Ronnie Hawkins, and there it is. You can go to Facebook and find some of the photos if you go to the Roots Festival Facebook page or their webpage and find photos from that weekend that was dedicated to Ronnie Hawkins a few years ago. You can go to the Bob Dylan Center that's just opened in downtown Tulsa. Oh, yeah, I'm dying to go. There's information about the Hawks and and the band with uh-huh. Dylan. And then you mentioned Bob Cochran. He has a brand new book out that he did with Dale Carpenter called right. Reporting for Arkansas, the Documentary Films of Jack Hill. Check that out. We're going to have an interview about that on a future episode. And I knew Jack Hill. We yeah, worked you, in TV I, together. He was in Jonesboro. I was in Little Rock. Name someone who's worked in TV in the last 40 years that you didn't know. Okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it next okay. week. All right. So there's. Ooh, four. that gives me an idea. Anyway, we'll I talk about it next giving, week. Okay, I love giving you ideas. I love giving you ideas. Uh, so there's a lot more to learn about Ronnie Hawkins and the influence he had. What are we going to do to end this? Uh, why don't we listen to um, one of his live recordings? This is dates back to 1960, and this is the one where he does the camel walk. Oh, okay. But uh, it's called Need Your Lovin'. Randy Dixon is with the... David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History. You can put Pryor Center into a search engine, find out more. Randy, we'll do this again. Hey, it's always a pleasure. Need your loving, need it all so bad. Need your loving, need it all so bad. Without your interview of Ronnie Hawkins by Jim Blair for the Prior Center can be found right now if you go to the Prior Center's webpage, priorcenter.ur.edu. It is the featured interview at this time. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, our militant grammarian is back with us, and she's helping us understand irony. Irony refers to being the opposite of what you'd expect. It's not just coincidence or bad luck. It's more closely related to the subversion of expectation. Not just understanding irony, but also isolating the different kinds of irony. Yes, 
There are different kinds of irony, and our militant grammarian Catherine Schultz is ready to explain on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF. Show's also available through the KUAF app, through the Ozarks at Large podcast, and by asking your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. KUAF is supported by Opal Agafia's Ozark Mountain Soul Fest, June 30th through July 2nd at The Farm in Eureka Springs. Over 12 bands will perform during this two-day music festival, which includes three nights of camping and a variety of vendors on site. OpalAgafia.com for tickets and more information. This is Ozarks at Large. More hearings into the January 6th violence at the U.S. Capitol are scheduled for later this week. KUAF and NPR will provide live coverage of hearings that are scheduled as of now to begin at 9 o'clock Wednesday morning and Thursday at noon. Governor Asa Hutchinson is continuing his criticism of former President Trump's part in the January 6th insurrection. During an interview on Fox News yesterday, Governor Hutchinson said the Congressional Committee investigating the event has shown the former president has some responsibility for the attack on the United States Capitol. I hope that the future of the Republican Party is uh, different than uh, uh former President Trump's leadership. I hope we move in a different direction. I believe that uh, what happened on January 6th uh, is uh, a lot at his feet. Uh, It was wrong for our country and for him to continue to push uh, that theory. Governor Hutchinson, who has been critical of the former president, said the committee has not yet presented enough evidence to make a case for criminal liability. Susan Schrott, an acclaimed fiber artist and licensed clinical social worker, will be on the Northwest Arkansas Community College campus Wednesday morning for a public talk in the NWAC Integrated Design Lab. Her work will be on display in the IDL Wednesday as well. The talk is free and is open to the public. It's scheduled to begin Wednesday morning at 11 in the NWAC Integrated Design Lab. You can find out more about Susan Schrott at her webpage, susanschrottartist.com. And the Jones Center in Springdale will begin a summer series of theme movie nights this approaching Friday. This week, the free movie is Moana, and there is live entertainment to go along with the film at 6.30 Friday night. The Jabro Band will play, and children can create a flower lay. The movie starts at 7.30. Food and drink will be available for purchase. Similar themed movie nights are scheduled for July, the Pixar film Soul, and August, when the movie will be the musical In the Heights. More at jonescenter.net. As we approach the end of our financial year, June 30th, we're raising funds to keep KUAF stronger than ever. Your gift this month will help us toward our goal of $50,000. Your support helps pay for the programs, reporting, equipment, and technology that we need to continue bringing you radio you rely on every day. If you've never given a gift to KUAF, now is a great time because Bill Enfield of Bentonville is matching the donations of new supporting listeners dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Now is the time. Go to supportkuaf.com or mail a check to KUAF at 9 South School, Fayetteville, AR 72701. And thank you. And thank you for all of your support year-round. Public Radio, KUAF, and Ozarks at Large. We obviously couldn't do this without you. You can make a contribution at any time at supportkuaf.com. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, 
and Southwest City. Contributors today included Jacqueline Froelich and Randy Dixon with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History. Additional material today provided by our colleagues at KUAR, Public Radio for Little Rock in Central Arkansas. Don't forget, get rest, get out of the sun, drink plenty of fluids, heat index values in the triple digits through early evening. There is a heat advisory until 8 tonight in, uh, well, really throughout the entire KUAF listening area. And uh, it's going to be in the 90s. It looks like for at highs, at least, will be in the 90s for at least the next week and a half or two weeks. So be careful. Thanks so much for being with us on this Monday edition of Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellums. We'll be back with you tomorrow at noon and 7 for a brand new edition of Ozarks at Large. Don't forget KUAF and NPR live coverage of congressional hearings into the January 6th violence will continue this week, scheduled to start Wednesday morning at 9, and then Thursday, as of now, scheduled to start at noon. So it appears we won't have a noon edition of Ozarks at Large on Thursday. Of course, these things can change. You can follow all the latest developments at KUAF.org. Take care of yourself. We'll talk again very soon. And we end this Monday edition of Ozarks with music from Layla McCallis. She'll be part of the Fayetteville Roots on the Avenue this weekend, taking place on East Avenue in downtown Fayetteville. You can find out much more by going to FayettevilleRoots.org. You don't know me at all. I feel so alone.